Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Agil Ostis, CEO and co-founder of Unleash, a feature management platform that's raised $16.5 million in funding. Agil, thanks for chatting with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we can talk about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Absolutely. So as you said, my name is Agil Ostis. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Unleash. So Unleash is the largest open source feature management tool available in the market today. But on myself, you know, growing up, a uh, small child in the basement hacking computers. I always believed I wanted to be on and wanted to end up as a software developer. Luckily for everybody, I didn't end up so. So after a few years doing programming for kind of a profession, I realized much better, you know, getting people successful, running businesses, doing more leadership type of roles. So the past seven years before going into this startup, I was taking various management positions in large corporations. Married, two kids, 14 and 11, love hiking, love running, getting outdoors here in a beautiful Norway. Amazing. Let's talk about Norway. So can you explain to us a little bit more about what the tech ecosystem looks like there today? Absolutely. Happy to. So, you know, Norway is this big old country. So there's a lot of engineering skills in this country. What we've seen lately or over the last couple of years, there has been a transition into more kind of or software is very important for any industry. So I would say the tech scene in Norway, very mature, very DevOps focused, very much front runners when it comes to kind of latest ways of delivering high quality software. And also I think what we are fortunate is kind of our high standards of living and very kind of modest salaries. So you would find very skilled developers at a very modest salary level here in, in Norway. And as a country, Norway is undergoing a very similar transition as Saudi Arabia, right? It's a very oil-rich country that's you know trying to transition to a kind of more tech and clean world. Absolutely. You hit it directly on the header. I mean, we are fortunate with our resources, with the oil and everything. And obviously, we also have this bias towards being environmentally friendly, which is a very nice catch-22 for you. So there is a big, big conversation going on. We need to get out of oil. We need to kind of move into the environmental friendly industry and energy. At the same time, you know, it's tough to move out of a very high payment type of industry. I mean, oil business, particularly lately with the macros that we see around us with the Ukraine and everything, of course, it's a difficult conversation. And we are fortunate to make a lot of money out of that as a country. And is there a sovereign wealth fund that's doing a lot of this venture investing? On venture, not so much. So basically how this is set up is the Norwegian government has set up this uh, investment fund that is investing our oil money all across the globe. So make sure we don't kind of overheat the Norwegian economy as uh, per se. They do some venture funding, but primarily kind of more kind of publicly traded companies, properties, like really long-term sustainable investments. Got it. And then what's like the big unicorn in in Norway? I know your, your sister country, Sweden, has Klarna. Who's like the Klarna of Norway or who's the big company there? I would say there is a handful of those. With SoftBank lately, we had like Autostore, we had Kahoot, we had uh, 
also a grocery store that is sort of, but you know, all of these companies lately are taking a big hit with sort of the latest development on the markets. So uh, who else? First, search and research back in the days, they were acquired by Microsoft. There's a big, big, big tech scene around video conferencing. Most of the companies has been acquired by Cisco, to be honest. So there seems to be a big trend of acquiring Norwegian companies. And we are on the track not to be acquired over the next couple of years, to be honest. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Now, a couple of questions we like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder and as an entrepreneur. Is there a specific CEO that you've really studied a lot and learned the most from and, and really admire? I would say there are so many to kind of look up to. I One of the guys that really are uh, a true inspiration to me is Sid over at GitLab. And the reason for why I look so much up to GitLab with Sid is they have created this very remote, first, fully transparent organization, right? And what really stands out to me is how detailed information they share with everybody on how they think about everything, basically. So you can, you know, you can go in there and read their every handbook. It's very detailed, very kind of up to date at any time. And really reading and looking to how they build their company as a remote first company at the same time, fully transparent. I have a lot of respect for that. Not copying, but kind of building into or getting a lot of inspiration on, on how we can apply the learnings into our context and our company. Yeah, you know, we work with um, Open Core Ventures, which is, his, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know what they call it, but it's venture capital studio, basically. And there's two companies that they've incubated and funded out of there called uh, Fleet Device Management and Flowforge. And it's been an interesting look at how they're just, you know, replicating that Open Core model. Everything's, you know, very open and transparent. It's been really interesting just from my perspective to have an inside look at how these types of companies are built. And I think that's all Sid's brainchild in terms of that structure and the approach. Yeah, make make tons of sense. Absolutely. And what about books? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder? And this can be a traditional business book, like The Hard Thing About Hard Things, or it could be a personal book that's really just influenced how you view the world. Uh, there's so many. I honestly read, love to read. I was sort of thinking about two particular ones, one very local and one more kind of recognized by this audience, I, I assume. So the first one, local one, uh, it's an Norwegian book called Organizational Culture. It's by a guy called Henning Bang. And basically what it does is breaking down organizational culture into some tangible aspects. I'm a very engineering by heart kind of a guy. And, you know, I'm growing up through my professional career. I've been very into or very inspired by what the strength of a company culture, but I always found it like abstract, very fluffy, really not tangible. So this book really gives you the framework of bringing that kind of what is a culture, what does it consist of, what can you work with, how can you work with that, and how can you really start assessing it in order to impact in the direction you need it to the best of the company. And I would say the second one is uh, The Voltage Effect. It's this by John List. Very thought through, very experimentational, talking through how you want to go by learning and taking the experiments, making experiments to really understand if you're onto something or if there's false positives and all these kind of things and and very mathematical engineering type of thinking around creating a business. So those two is those I keep coming back to, if you know what I mean. Nice. Is that first one of you in English or is that a very Norway specific? I would love it to be in English. I actually spoke with the author at some uh, some point and asked him if it's there is an English version because I really would like to hand it out to my team. But unfortunately, it's only in Norwegian. So uh, for now, you, you need to kind of transition into this odd language of Norway to, to read it. 
It better be a good book if I'm going to have to learn Norwegian just to uh, just read it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a bit more about the company now. Let's talk about Unleash. So at a high level, what are customers paying you to solve for that? Yeah, so Unleash is a feature management tool. So what really what we do is we are simplifying how software developers are delivering software through production. So releasing software today is a very often is a very tedious and stressful moment for most developers, uh, software engineers. And what we do, we are taking away that stress. We are allowing them to really be in control of how they want to release their new features to who, when, or what kind of segments of the users, and really testing this in a very risk-less manner. And why is this important? This is important because software developers, as I know them, software engineers, they're really much looking for, you know, this flywheel of learning. What software developers are doing is really solving really complex problems, you know? And the way to do that is to chunk it into small, small steps. And every step you validate, or is this going as I expected to do? Yes or no? And so forth. And you don't really know if you solve the problem before you really have it as part of the production code. And of course, if you want to put it in production, it's a high risk if you make mistakes. So that's basically what we do. We re- we decouple release to production from release to customers. And that's basically what we do. And what types of software developers or what types of organizations do they work for? Is this you know big Fortune 500 companies? Is this Forbes Cloud 100? What does that look like? It's, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And that's the interesting part. And everybody knows this. And you guys are there in San Francisco knows particular. Every company is a software company these days. So so it's basically anywhere. We are targeting our effort more on the kind of upper SMB larger enterprises. That's more of how we have designed the product and, and sort of the, the features and, and, and how we think about things. But basically, any software developer around the globe is can benefit largely from this, either if they are a small company or if they are a huge corporation like the Fortune 500 type of companies. And if we look at the feature management category, is that a category that's recognized by like Gartner and Forrester? Or what does that look like? It's getting recognized as a category. It's still in the early phase. I think the Forrester came out with a report on feature management and experimentation last year. So it's sort of the first report in this category. It's sort of being created, but still it has been sort of addressed by a few players already. So it's in the early phase, but it's, uh, I would say it's an established category as of now. And in terms of what that landscape or that ecosystem looks like, I know you guys are open source. Are there closed source players then as well in feature management or who controls the market today? Absolutely. The two big players, and I'm, they are closed source vendors, and we are the biggest uh, open source uh, player in this category as of now. Yeah. Have you always been diehard on open source, or what was the background there for you? I would say more than anything, I co-founded this company, Unleash, together with my brother. And my brother was is the true brain of Unleash, and he was the one that decided to open source Unleash initially. So when this project was created, it was created for developers. It was developed by developers for developers. It was launched as an open source because, you know, developers want to give back to communities, share their code, and really be part of a larger community. So it was initially created as an open source project for the better for the community. And, you know, what happens with open source projects when they are successful, it starts to organically grow. And that was happened. So it was very much a bottom-up adoption. And when Ivar, my brother, came to me and said, well, there is something going on here, we decided to kind of jump on this train and build this company together. So I was sort of buying into this and, and being part of this journey for a couple of years now, I, the, the, the strength, the power, and the, the uh, momentum that is coming from the open source wave is absolutely astonishing. 
it's I'm all about it now. And how big is the community today? Oh, that's a very, very good question. So when you look at the Docker polls, we are close to 16.5 million Docker polls, which is sort of an indicator. We are have identified 10K or so community members all together somewhere in the community. A few hundreds of those are more kind of what we categorize as uh, active on a more kind of frequent basis. So uh, it's getting there. Nice. That's amazing. And in terms of running an open source company, what are some of those challenges that you face? I think a lot of our listeners are founders who want to build open source. They believe in open source, but there's obviously some downsides. So how have you navigated the downsides of having an open source company? Very good question. And I I very much relate to this. So when we started to kick off this company, we sat down obviously saying, okay, we need to be true to the open source. There is certain kind of, you need to really believe in it and be very transparent in doing so because you cannot fake this. This is not something you can fake. So we also saw that this there is a very clear tension between the commercial drivers because we are here for business for sure. At the same time, there is a tension between the commercial aspect of the company and the open source side of the company. So what we decided to do very early on is basically train on getting this tension right, meaning it's a good tension if it's done right, and it's a very bad tension if it's done wrong. And and let me kind of go into a bit in in details there. So our belief is that you don't want to oversell to developers. But at the same time, if you're upfront, very transparent, very kind of going along with the same metaphor for a long time, saying this is what we want to do, we want to kind of build a business around this, and this is how we think around building that business, we will continue to invest in open source because that's important to us. So, so that's something we continuously are very aware of. At the same time, we need to also make sure we are building value for our enterprise customers that is paying the big dollars to use this service. So, so getting this kind of train to get this right early was a very important momentum for us. And I would say maybe this is still our biggest challenge because when I talk to sales, our sales team, they want us to kind of just slim down the open source, make it like, as few features, no support, anything. At the same time, we know open source needs to be the best product and open source needs to be the best product for developers, individual developers. And the open source community is expecting us to be promptly responding, very engaging with them in discussing features, issues, problems, challenges. So this balance is never going to go away and and it's really difficult. And that's what I've heard a lot from open source companies, right, is that developer marketing doesn't exist. So it's very hard to do developer marketing because they're very allergic to the traditional marketing approach and messages that companies have. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's we are fortunate to deal with a very skilled uh, audience or market. I mean, developers, they are bright people. They are they are seeing right through if we are, do not have integrity in what we do. So I think it forces us to be very cautious and thought through on how we are dealing with our marketing effort, our, but also building the product. Because if we are devaluating the product for the open source users, that is also being to be highly recognized. And they will tell by leaving the company, they will not kind of speak up necessarily. Makes sense. So in terms of the go-to-market then, what does the, the sales team look like? And how do you start to convert those users when you know they're just the individual contributors using the platform? How do you know they're ready to convert and try to sell them? Yeah, so this is how we we have, we have been spending a lot of thought into this. So for us, we obviously are an open core business model. Mm-hmm. So in our product bundling, we are facing or state that the open source, open core 
has to be the preferred tool by individual developers, which means anything for an individual or small team of software developers, they should always kind of prefer to use our open source. And what we mean by that is by feature, what type of feature do they need? What type of complex features? What type of anything for them to be successful removing the stress I I talked about just uh, a few minutes ago? While we are moving into an enterprise version where we are seeing we are making the dollars, it's basically when you start scaling from individual developers into kind of teams, large organization, more kind of compliance needs, other kind of more enterprise needs, that's where we start saying, okay, this is actually features that we develop for making this tooling available and applicable for a large organization to kind of launch a rollout, obviously supported by very strong customer success or we actually did discuss quite a bit of should we call it customer success yes or no because really what it's about is about having technical people sitting together with developers, leading architects, similar kind of profiles, and really make them getting the most out of the product as absolutely possible, making their everyday life and processes as easy as absolutely possible. So, so you know, it's some of the features is very kind of uh, obvious, like single sign-on. We do offer single sign-on out of the box in enterprise. We do have that documentation. We can do that in open source. You can build it yourself if you would like to, of course. Other more kind of complex needs, such as large number of projects or multiple environments or, you know, role-based access control with custom roles mapped back to your AD or whatever kind of authentication tooling you're using. So that that type of features. And of course, support, customer success obviously comes with the enterprise as well. And as I'm sure you know, over the last few years, there was a lot of funding being put into developer tools. And I think that ended up creating a lot of noise in the market for developers. And there's just a lot of options. So if you were to boil down your success so far, what do you think you got right? What did you do specifically that helped you really rise above all of that noise and convince developers to even give the tool a try? Yeah, that's a very good question. And it's a very difficult question as well. But one thing that we have been very focused on, and I think that's also a large reason for our success, is we've been very focused on really building a product that is needed and really loved by developers. And what we mean by that is really listening, really listening to what are the needs. Also kind of, of course, dog fooding, always be having the developer first in when we design the product. And it goes all the way from, you know, have the curl statement uh, next to the UI easy to copy and paste into your your terminal or developer documentation, really putting a lot of effort into developer documentation or any type of tutorials, but but also really focusing and be very cautious about what type of culture we really want to have in our community. So one of the things we are very, very consistent of is making sure if there is, you know, multiple contributors to an SDK or to any of the features, we always pick that version of the contribution that is having the author that is really, truly living our values. Because we think that if you want to be engaged in our community, you want to be part of a nice community where you feel welcomed, where you can kind of really exchange ideas, really challenge each other in a nice way to kind of lift up and, and have that growth mindset. So so having kind of a positive criticism in making our, each other better, that's really true to what we want to see in our community. And that's also what we are pushing very hard for, being ourselves and being very true that it's ourselves, but also kind of inviting that kind of behavior in, in our community. So I think these two types together makes our community a very kind of welcoming, uh, very kind of growth mindset type of community. And it's also a great product for developers. So more than anything, just staying laser focused on these two items, uh, everything else will follow. 
Amazing. Last question for you. If we zoom out into the future, what's the three-year vision for Unleash? Oh my God, three years. There's so much that's going to happen. You know, software developer and software experts, I truly believe they will never, they will always be there one way or the other. So, so we are here to make developers' everyday life easier and simpler. I would say for us, so feature management is the first step on that road. So obviously we can discuss about commercial plans. We can expand into new markets. We are primarily looking at the US and Europe at the moment. Obviously, there is a huge community out there in, in Asia and Africa. But also, when you think about the tooling and, and the capabilities within the software world or software developer, making software developer lives easier, there's so many opportunities uh, out there. So I definitely see ourselves moving and, and expanding into more product categories. Amazing. Well, unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey as they build, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, go to getonleash.io or follow us on Twitter, getonleash or on LinkedIn. That's where we keep our community updated or you are welcome to join our Slack. You will find the link on our getonleash.io webpage. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and share your vision and just share your perspective on the market. This has been a lot of fun and I wish you best of luck in executing on this vision. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Have a good one.